when we flew in last night, it was about 11 o'clock. The plane banked perfectly over um, over the terminal here, and there yep. wasn't too many red trucks sitting at 11 o'clock at night, which was nice. <laughs> that, but, that's good for a Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, yeah, we got uh, a lot of equipment coming in. We obviously have some we're going to sell. But, yeah, it's always this uh, this angst over, you know, have we got this timed right? Is everything going to come together again? Uh-oh. Yeah. It's more of an art than a science. Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. It's Easter week, and this is episode 17 of Terminal Exchange, the official podcast of Newsbomb Transportation. I'm Philip Adams. As we head into Good Friday and Easter, I wanted to take a quick opportunity to invite you to spend some time reflecting on why we celebrate this holiday. The story of Easter is the pinnacle event in the life of a man whose presence on earth literally changed the timeline of history. Regardless of your religious beliefs or thinking, it is a story worth learning and knowing. It's a story that has changed millions of lives throughout history and throughout the world. It could even change your life. We've got another 40X Team Spotlight for you this week. This time, we're featuring the IT department and their team leader, Ben Verkler. So, hey, Ben, uh, you've got a fun group here with the IT department. Uh, you got a, one of the larger teams, I feel like, uh, in the company as far as 40X goes. Um, but you've got kind of a unique perspective into the different workings that, that happen. And so uh, you've had a few different projects that, uh, as far as wildly important goals that you've worked on uh, so far. And I think you've already completed one of those, hit your goal, and, and have already moved on to a couple others. So uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about the, the one that you've completed already, what that looked like, what, what that project was, and how that went for you. Okay, so... One of our initial wigs was to reduce the the number of system-generated emails that get sent out every week. There's a lot of them that have been created over time, and not all of them are used anymore, or there's a lot that, um, at the time they were created, there were just a handful of dispatchers, and so it went to all of them, and now maybe that doesn't make sense anymore. Right. Or as people have moved, they are still getting emails that's not relevant to their current job. Um, and so a lot of people have to sift through a lot of emails that aren't really relevant to their current job. And so we wanted to eliminate that wasted time. Um, so we, um, at the time we started, um, there were about 65,000 system generated emails sent every week. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so our goal was to get that down to 25,000 a week. What, what were some of the biggest offenders there on on what was going out? Um, so one was uh, tractors arrived at Newsbomb. So every time a tractor arrived, <laughs> there was a whole list of people that got an email. Um, there were some detention notifications and some EDI um, status updates. Those were the, the big hitters. Okay. And, and like I said, these are just system generated. So these are things that are just automatically being produced. These aren't including Gary's clip art emails or anything like that. Exactly. Yep. Whether we like them or not, we still get. But that could be a future wig. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on that in the future. So, um, but it sounds like uh, so your goal. You, you said you had about sixty five thousand a week. What was your your goal? 
to get our to goal that. was to get down um, to twenty five thousand a week. And how did you end up? Um, so by the end of January, um, we were down to about twenty thousand a week. Wow. So, I mean, and just for perspective here, you say end of January. Realistically, our launch wasn't even until January. You guys got a little bit of a head start going in, uh, but you guys really killed it and knocked that one out of the park. So have you gotten feedback on that so far as far as from the users that were seeing some of those emails? Yeah. Um, a lot of people were glad. To, it's one of those things where it, it takes more time to ask somebody to turn off that email than it does just to delete it every time. Right. Um, so there's a lot of people that were glad we uh, finally took the proactive approach to clean that up. <laughs> That's awesome. That's good. So so now you've you've moved on from that. You're not focusing on that anymore. Right. Uh, you've got two other uh, goals that you've set. Uh, what are those two? So the other wig that we had from the beginning was around our... All the IT projects we do for people in the office, the problem we were attacking was those those requests come in, they sit in a queue for a while, somebody from IT gets assigned and works on it, and there's not necessarily direct communication between the person working on it in IT and the requester. And so what we've seen is there's maybe a misunderstanding of the requirements or it's no longer needed or the requirements have changed since it was initially requested. Um, and so sometimes we complete a project and then it turns out people aren't, don't actually use it. Uh, so it, it just wasted everybody's time. Right. So we wanted to focus on better communication through that whole development process to make sure we, we know the right requirements up front and we deliver the best solution to solve the problem that they have. So we created a checklist of things, kind of like I just described, but before you start, um, talk to the requester, make sure you know the requirements, discuss what your proposed solution is, um, and then after it's been delivered, um, we wait about a week and then we follow up with the requester and say, are you actually using it? Is it doing what you expected? And then we also ask them to rate um, the whole process and the solution. So our lag measure is around those ratings. We want to get feedback on 90% of the projects we do, and we want to have an 80% approval rate. Um, and so right now we're we're above 90% on both of those. So that's great. It's going well. We're still maintaining the wig. To um, we still feel like it going through that checklist isn't a habit, and that it wouldn't happen as with without the wig. Okay. So we're so, going to maintain so it. You're going to maintain that cadence, you know, and, and make sure that that's still a focus. Get, yeah, until that behavior change becomes permanent. Yeah. Got it, got it. And, and I want to clarify a little bit before we even get into the next wig that you've got, that as an IT department, a couple things, your department's grown quite a bit over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're part of that growth, even yourself. Almost doubled in size over the last, say, two years or so, maybe two, three years. Yeah, that's right, about right. And and so used to it was well, we knew either it was Brent or Doug or Jesse that was going to be handling stuff, and now all of a sudden there's a bunch of other guys in there. You all have different responsibilities and and uh, specialties, I'm sure. But then you're not just doing technical support in the office. You're not just doing system support. You're developing and implementing products that we use in the office, in the trucks. So there's a lot that you guys are doing, and yeah. uh, which is really impressive. And we love our IT department. Uh, Link would not be a thing without our IT guys. Uh, there's a lot of other things out there uh, as well. So uh, just a shout out to 
to the whole IT department there for for what you guys have done there. But mm-hmm. I just want everybody to understand that there's a lot going on there. And uh, so, so with that with that growth, getting those checklists and everything in place is is pretty pretty important. So, uh, so what's your your third? Uh, I think we start talking about what we're seeing in the trucks here, the development. Yeah. So, what, what, what's that one? Yeah. So the um, kind of the the thing that everybody in the IT department is working on right now is the replacement of PeopleNet with the GeoTab and Link solution. Um, it seemed natural to to have a new WIG aligned with that, and so um, to kind of tie that into our overall goal of driver engagement, we came up with a WIG around making the transition um, as as easy as possible for the drivers. So we are calling every driver about a week after they switch to GeoTab, just asking if they have any initial questions or problems or any suggestions or feedback for mm-hmm. us. And we have been keeping track of all the feedback we get from them, good and bad. If there's any actionable feedback, things that we can address or change, we we try and do that as soon as possible. And then within the next two weeks, we get back to that driver and tell him what we've changed or follow up on any of his initial problems. And then we ask for a rating on a scale of one to five. We're considering fours and fives as favorable. So mm-hmm. our goal is to have 90% favorable. So we feel like um, not only like getting their feedback about what we can change, but also just the act of the act of calling them and getting them engaged. And once they can see that we're making changes based on what they tell us. Um, we think that can that can improve engagement and um, help them feel more a part yeah. of this whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's great uh, to get get the drivers involved in this process. A lot of it is custom built uh, by us. Uh, obviously, we do have the the GeoTab product. Yep. Uh, that's that's part of the system. But Link is very much our own, and right. and so I think it's great that you're you're looking at the. The user experience end of this, and making sure that drivers are, are having a good experience as much as possible through this, because you know the change is never easy, and and this is a big one, yeah, yep. to, to deal with. Yeah, and the the other thing is that along with the system change is the ELD regulation change, right. which goes into effect, and so that's <laughs> that's probably affected our ratings a little bit. Uh, we yeah. try to clarify that. You know that part we can't we you can't, can't change. change that. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you got to be in drive whenever you move Are the truck, moving, right. yeah. <laughs> I can't change that unfortunately. Um, and side note, maybe we'll see some regulation changes. Everybody gets into this ELD uh, setup. Maybe some of that will change. But I think you guys have done an awesome job with this. I want to say kudos to to your team uh, with everything you've been doing. Um, I like that you're looking at feedback on your process and uh, making sure that the user experience is, is a good one. So with this whole GeoTab install and, and, and system uh, change out, what has that feedback looked like so far for, for you guys? Um, so we've gotten, I would say, more more feedback than we expected, more suggestions, and they weren't necessarily the things that we expected, and, which has been good because we've been able to adjust our priorities based on that feedback. So the, the biggest one has been uh, with people that when you got a new message it would it would read it to you so you didn't have to pull over yeah well, they don't have that with geotab so okay they know they got a message now they have to pull over so they can okay. get out of the lock screen to see what the message is so that's been the the biggest feedback and so we're we're developing a way for a way to play the messages to them when it comes gotcha okay 
Very good. Well, I know uh, you guys have your hands full there with a lot lot happening there, and this is a really big undertaking to, to make the GeoTab transition happen uh, and, and do it in a timely manner here before we have any legal issues right. yep. <laughs> and have to keep off the road. But no, it looks like everything's running along really well. And uh, look forward to talking with the shop at another point to kind of see how their process is going in the, in the install right. uh, physically, that, that part of it. So um, Ben, thanks so much. And uh, again, thanks to your team and your group for everything you've been doing. I know you guys have really been killing it, knocking it out of the park and, and getting a lot of good stuff done. So, so thanks so much and appreciate you sharing what your team's doing. Sure. Thank you. We're almost there. Last year, Newsbound became an employee-owned company, and we are just about to receive our first annual statement. I've invited Newsbound CFO Bill Wettstein to join me for this week's feature exchange to talk about our first valuation, his projections for the ESOP, and what we as a company and employee owners need to do to ensure success for the ESOP. Here is Newsbound Chief Financial Officer Bill Wettstein. Bill, you are our CFO, our Chief Financial Officer here. Can you tell us what that means? What What is your responsibility here at NewsBomb, and uh, what's your day-to-day look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't know what I do. So, uh, <laughs> so I've been in this role for, actually, it's just been over 18 years um, in that role. So my primary responsibilities are... Um, overseeing accounting and the uh, sales mm-hmm. part of the organization, except I do very little accounting or sales. Um, there's quite a few just uh, projects and then uh, a lot of financing, working with the banks and, and, and involved with insurance companies. But mainly, probably my favorite part is just spending quite a bit of time with employees from all departments and uh, learning what their joys and fears are and seeing what we can do different. With accounting, I mean, you have an accounting background coming into the to Newsbomb already, right? So, uh, yeah, back in the um, '90s, I um, received my uh, bachelor's in accounting, and then um, a few designations: a CPA and a CMA, and I don't even know hardly what some of them mean. A CGMA <laughs> years ago, and uh, so I have some of those. And I worked in public accounting for one year, doing tax returns and audits, and that was uh, that was enough. And I came here in two thousand one. And you've been through uh, some significant changes here at Newsbomb and some really even tough times. You want to talk about any of those at all? Sure. Yeah. So there was there was a couple times in particular um, back in 2001. Um, basically, uh, many of you have heard this story before, but we um, shut down um, one division, the LTL division, and uh, and that was a really tough time. And, and basically was kind of reborn as a, a new company focused on truckload. And then uh, kind of fast forwarding to uh, 2008 when we incurred a large uh, unfunded pension liability, which I think was the worst entry an accountant can make. It was basically <laughs> a, a debit or an expense and a, and a liability. So we had we received nothing out of it except that we had to pay these folks. Um, oh, man. And it put us in a negative equity situation, which was pretty scary, but we thought all that was fine. And we did all that at the end of, uh, it was to go down, I think the end of 08. And we all know what happened at the end of 08. So our timing was pretty bad. So April of 09 was my low point in my 21 years here. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I was losing sleep at night, but we were close. Um, 
At that point, we were pricing freight to make bank payments, not to make money. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> so that was interesting. How did you actually get through that? So we had uh, way too many trucks sitting, or, or we didn't have uh, enough to do. And uh, there was a large C&H bid that came up, and um, we'd worked on that and put a number of scenarios together that would run really efficiency, really efficient, lots of miles. We still do quite a bit of that freight today. Yeah. And um, we sent that, uh, we submitted our rates in again. We priced that to basically pay the bank loan payments on trucks, not to make money. And uh, Brent Newsbaum, I think he got a call or an email back from CNH asking him if we were sure of our <laughs> pricing because <laughs> we were going to get a lot of business. And at that point, I think we were awarded $5 million in freight and our revenues at that time might have been 13 or 14 million. I can't remember, but wow. it was a significant yeah. portion. And that was kind of a turning point. Um, in that crisis, we started hauling longer loads than we'd ever hauled before. Before that, we were a very short haul carrier. How long did it take to start changing your pricing uh, to not just cover the bank bills? Yeah, well, the economy actually came back pretty quick. So uh, um, it's really interesting if you looked at our. Um, net losses per month or net income, we kind of, uh, we had huge losses at the beginning of 09, and then every month they got smaller through uh, July or so, and then in August the profits started coming, and then we were profitable almost almost every month since then, um, and then we were able to start bringing our margins back up. But uh, yeah, it was a major, major turnaround. Crisis leads you to think outside the box, so. Yeah. And with the exception of maybe um, a year uh, here, a couple of years ago, um, it's been mostly growth, steady growth since that point. Is that about right? Yeah, that, that is about right. So um, from 2012 to 2014 were some really big growth years. Yeah. And then 15, 16 were kind of flat, and then we took off again. So yeah, it has been. It's been quite the ride, just a lot of really good people that care and uh that want to grow, and um, I think that kind of the philosophy is right. If you're, a, if a company isn't growing, you know, is it improving or is it stagnating? What's it yeah. doing? So, yeah, I think you'll hear some say if it's not growing, you're dying, and which seems really extreme, but it's important to be growing one way or another there. And I think it's really neat to see our numbers here over the last couple of years as they've continued to grow. We keep hitting record numbers across the board. Yeah, yeah we, how's we that do. sitting in your seat? So yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, the pattern we've kind of been on is uh, if, if you look at it, and uh, it seems like the first six month of the year, every year except for maybe 2018, we kind of struggle to get rolling, and then it's that um, third quarter, early fourth that we really hit our stride and go. But you know, I was just yesterday. I was I met with our valuation advisor at this conference that does our ESOP valuation, and when they do that, you know, they look at our results, but then they also compare us to publicly traded companies. So you can hmm. pull up how Heartland, Warner, Old Dominion, all these different you know publicly traded companies that are out there, and they can compare you know how we're doing compared to them, and it's pretty fascinating. Um, you know, some of them maybe have. Uh, some higher margins than us. Maybe some of them have a little bit higher growth rate, but there's probably not any of them that have both that are growing more and have a, a higher, you know, profit margin than we mm -hmm. do um, for our last few years. So it's going to be work to keep that trend up, but uh, 
been performing very well. So comparatively speaking, you're saying that NewsBomb is actually performing well in comparison to other companies in the industry? Yeah, we're performing well. I mean, like, again, there's some that are really, their focus is, is really on profitability and um, you know they're beating us there, but then um, they're, they haven't been growing as much as we have. And we don't want to sacrifice profitability for growth, so we keep trying to, uh, to improve that. But uh, we also are in a, uh, a benchmarking group with a number of our peers that are smaller, privately mm-hmm. held companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we get to compare ourselves on probably 15 different metrics. And um, the way they do that on the information you get back every month after you submit your data is uh, they rank you. They have a different spreadsheet tab for all these different metrics, and you're ranked from left to right. So if you're on the right side of the page, that's not good. So you want to be on the left. And usually we're, um, I would say we're on the left half on almost everything, um, but there's still a number of them that we need to improve and we know we can so um, this business is a business of levers. I don't know if I've bored Philip with this uh, little <laughs> analogy before, but if you, uh, if you focus too much on any one aspect of trucking, it seems like it messes another aspect up. I must say, like, if we, uh, you know, with, with drivers, we, uh, we, we want to get them lots of miles and we want to get them home. Well, those two, sometimes it's hard to achieve both. Mm-hmm. And... Um, all these different things, you, we, we have to focus on safety and, uh, you know, how, how much is too much focus on that. I don't know if you can, but there, you know, right. you, everything is just this, uh, this balance of, of, of how you do that. There's, there's compromise that happens one way or another. Like you mentioned, if you, if you increase the miles, that might be at the sacrifice of home time. Yeah. Of home time. And all this is when, uh, you're working with a 6% um, basically profit margin, net profit margin. So when you think about that, you know, for every $100 of revenue, we're spending $94. Any little incremental thing that we can do makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So it's just such a game of inches. Is the trucking industry different in that way from other sectors? Does profit margin work different elsewhere? Yeah, it does. And I'm not the one to... Uh, to probably address that because I'm not real familiar with what the high margin ones are. Um, unfortunately, this is like all I know. But I know at this ESOP conference, they were saying, yeah, there are some, maybe some professional service industries mm-hmm. that have really high profit margins and some uh, specialty manufacturing that would have some higher profit margin, some engineering type things. But yeah, ours is very high capital intensive and very low profit margin. Yeah, But... I mean, that's where we're going with the ESOP and trying to get more engagement and drive everybody into that because any little thing each of us can do just magnifies itself. How that works on the share price, too. I don't know if you want to get into that here. Yeah, no, I was ready to go into the ESOP here. So so basically how they value us is they look at our they look at our earnings or our it's a function of earnings, and then there's a multiple t- applied to that. So in the trucking world, um, in the public trucking world, that multiple is, say, maybe seven times earning. We're a privately held company, so our multiple is less. But let's just say if your EBITDA or your earnings figure they look at, um, you know, if it would be $10 bucks, then you would apply the multiple of, let's just say, five to that, and then the company's worth $50 million. So the point being, every dollar that we earn more profit, that's multiplied by, say, four or five times. So if we can, uh, if each driver could save, you know, 
$100 a year, we got 400 drivers, do the math, it's 40000 bucks, and then it's um, times five, you know, your $200,000 is yeah. increase in value of the company. And that's just $100. I mean, there's opportunities that we can all do, you know, to, to drive value up. On this note of ESOP, then, uh, it's been a little while since we've talked a whole lot about it. I think we're coming pretty close to, to getting some information here soon. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. So the, uh, the valuation is complete. The valuation number and our payroll information went to principal. That's our uh, administrative, our third-party administrator for the, uh, for the ESAP plan. And they will be kicking out the statements hopefully in early May. So that's the timeline that they're trying to hit. And so then we'll each get a statement and they'll say how many, uh, how many shares each of us have and what the value per share is. That's exciting. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing those numbers, and there's not a whole lot of known so far, so it'll be nice to finally see something on paper. It will, and I'm looking forward to the number. What I'm really looking forward to, though, is the number a year from now, right? This is just Absolutely. the benchmark. Yeah. Now we go from here, and we and we need to, to drive that number up. And so, again, this number here is just basically the starting point. Yeah. And from here on, what do we do? Yeah. Maybe we can satiate some some people's thoughts here a little bit. You were telling me before we started here that you maybe had some numbers to throw out there. Yeah, I did. So I do have some projections. I also told you that projections are always wrong. <laughs> so uh, so take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. So we don't know what the next years are going to... So, 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 dis- disclaimer here, you cannot hold Bill accountable to these numbers. And this is not set in stone. This is just officially yeah. <laughs> just... Projections. Yeah, that's just a bunch of assumptions. But after five years, I think I've told a number of people that a driver, after five years in the news in the uh, Newspalm ESOP, a driver would have approximately thirty thousand dollars in it. And then after uh, ten, I'm saying seventy thousand. After twenty, close to a quarter million. And then after uh, thirty years, um, well over six hundred thousand is uh, just some rough projections with some assumptions. And so it's very exciting. could be a huge wealth-building tool. And um, I mean, it's like working for yourself, having an ESOP, and it is uh, like owning the house rather than renting it. Yeah. And uh, so we each got to do them little tweaks. and uh, You're building equity in there. Yeah, and I just had a driver in just a few minutes ago and uh, had an idea where he was trying to take better care of the equipment and wanted the, the, the equipment cleaner than, than what it was, the trailers he, were, he was pulling. And uh, just things like that make a big difference and just having it clean for the next employee owner that hooks up to it. Now, I want to go back and clarify on those years that you mentioned. That is years from this point of becoming an ESOP, not years already worked with, with Newsbomb, correct? Right, starting with 2018. Yeah. Yep, or starting with the year that you entered into the ESOP. If okay. You, yep. Just wanted to clarify that. So Outlook is, I mean, sounds pretty good here with that, but what does it really look like for us as a company to really move forward and see those new numbers continue to grow? What, what, what do we have to do? How do we drive that value yeah. up? Okay. So again, the... Um, I'm going to oversimplify it. So I think the valuation report was somewhere over 100 pages. So I'm probably not going to give you a Have you read all of that already? That. <laughs> um, I skimmed it. So, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so the again, the basic thing is this, uh, this earnings factor, this, this earnings number that they use. And so that... Um, that's the big deal, right? So what what drives that up? It's our uh, it's our profitability and the size of the company. So 
What we like to do is take that 6% margin and grow it to 7 But then, in the meet, or 8 or whatever we can do, we make it grow north of, of 6 And at the same time, if you can take that revenue number of, I was at $84 million last year, and you can grow that at the same time you're growing your, uh, your bottom line margin number. I mean, that's just rocket fuel. Yeah, those two factors, growing the company while maintaining or growing the, uh, the profit margin. Uh, sounds simple. Uh, says easy, does hard. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it sounds like there's, there's a lot involved in, um, well, that balancing act that we've already been doing of pulling in new customers or new lanes from existing customers and then bringing in more trucks, more drivers to, to run that. And so there's, there's a constant balancing act, but then you've got pricing involved in there. There, there's a lot of components going into this and it's, it's kind of got to all mesh together. Yeah, it is. You got to have the, what do you need first? The, the, the freight, the drivers, the equipment, the people, you know, to support it administratively. Um, it's a good question. I, uh, when we, Flew in last night. It was about eleven o'clock. The plane banked perfectly over, um, over the terminal here, and yeah. there wasn't too many red trucks sitting at eleven o'clock at night, which was nice. <laughs> that, but, that's good for a Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So yeah, we got uh, a lot of equipment coming in. We obviously have some we're going to sell, but yeah, it's always this uh, this angst over. You know, have we got this timed right? Is everything going to come together again? Yeah. yeah. It's more yeah. of an art than a science. Yeah. <laughs> and you even mentioned having equipment to sell and everything. And there's there's just so many different pieces to the puzzle of making money, uh, getting a return on your investment and everything. So wh- what right now is at the top of your mind? I'm sure ESOP is right there. But outside of that, as far as big picture, what what are you focusing on are you asking what's stressing me out today? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> In a perfect world, what I would love to see is, let's just say, another 50 or $70 more revenue per truck per day would be a huge, a huge thing. We often talk miles per day. Um, I'm liking revenue per day more. If we get the revenue per day right, we can make the pay right for the drivers. I'm convinced of that because... I think miles per day, we want lots of miles per day. Well, are you going to deadhead them from uh, L.A. to Boston? <laughs> we can I mean, get that's, miles. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not going to uh, pay the bills. So uh, I think that's the thing we got to do is figure out how to do that. So what does that mean? Does that mean we need more freight? Does that mean we need to better manage the freight we have? It doesn't mean we have the wrong freight that isn't meshing yeah. well. Those are things I think are really, um, that's the thing right now as we come out of the, the yeah. winter and it's not really a hot time yet. Um, I think things are going to heat up, but just driving that uh, throughput through the system yeah. to make everybody's wheels run a little bit more. On that sales end there, I know we've seen a pretty significant increase in dedicated accounts. Are we going to kind of see that continue? Or are we still trying to drive more dedicated? Or are we looking for more irregular route? Right. No, I think we would like to continue that um, mix. I think right now we're around 65% what we call system freight, 35% dedicated. I think we'd like to get a little closer to a 60-40, 60% system, 40% dedicated. Um, my prediction right now with the way the trucking um, industry is sitting, uh, I don't expect our uh, dedicated to maybe grow quite as quick this year as it did last year. Um, last year capacity was so tight that 
shippers are just clamoring for dedicated. They've cooled just a little bit, it feels like to me on that. But yeah, we're still looking for that. And I know they got some some coming on, but maybe not quite as many big bites as we've had the last couple of years. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about just our growth rate and, and what that's looked like over the past couple few years and how that's maybe trending forward? Okay, that's a tough question. I wish I could remember the sheet I looked at yesterday. I was thinking he showed a, a compounded annual growth rate of 11% since uh, 2014 or 2012, I can't remember, but something like that. So uh, what we're kind of looking at is a, uh, a growth rate in trucks or in drivers of maybe 20 to 40 per year for the next few years. So that's maybe what? Five to nine percent or yeah. so, but then um, revenue-wise, it would be more than that. It would be like a eight to fifteen percent revenue growth because uh, our rates per mile should be going up a little bit too. So that's what we're trying to be—that low single, a low double-digit growth rate for revenue. So not super aggressive, but some good, yeah, controlled, steady growth. Sometimes it feels super aggressive when you're living it. Yeah, well, <laughs> so. and we, in here in the office anyway, it's. You know, we know we've got expansion going on here to the south of us, you know, in the next year. We're getting ready to start on parking lot facility across the road uh, to allow for more equipment and everything to be able to to sit here. Uh, Well, hopefully not sit here too much, but at least, you know, have room for for everything to pass through. So there's a lot going on and we're, we're in an interesting spot. We've hit this 400 number and it feels like we're finally making that transition from kind of small carrier to more significant, a larger carrier. Like I, I feel like we're starting to feel some of that and some of the things that have happened structurally in the office and even with drivers, you know, having more uh, positions available for drivers. We've started to put new pieces in place as far as uh, we've got the training engineers, we've got road captains, uh, all of these different things happening, new management levels. So we're starting to structure just a little bit differently. It, it looks like we're preparing to be ready for a more substantial system here. Right. And I think one big thing you hit on with these different, I'm going to call them opportunities that people have working here, is I think as, as people come, I feel like we're able to offer uh, kind of more of a career path in, in a lot of different positions that, you know, for, for drivers, for uh whether it be technicians or uh, those here in the office. Um, and I think that's exciting. That's one of the exciting parts of a, a growing, thriving company is there's opportunities to, uh, you know, maybe be a road captain or maybe a dedicated run opens up um, mm-hmm. and all these things where if you're not growing, those opportunities just don't come around as much. Yeah, and we've got certified red in there for drivers too. Even if you're not taking on those other responsibilities, there's the opportunity to improve your own self. And I, I think it's really neat that we're seeing a lot of these opportunities open up. It, it's, it's feeling like we've, there's, there's, there's more room to grow now. Well, do you know why, this is my opinion here, but why I feel like all these opportunities are happening as a company is uh, just the people we have. Um, I just get so excited about the, uh, the team we have and the people we have. And when I say that, I'm saying, you know, across you know, the 500 employees here. I went out to lunch uh, last, 
probably last fall, late last fall, with a consultant from the Franklin Kelvey organization okay. that we work with on our four disciplines of execution. And he said he's just never seen a group of people that care so much. He was just so impressed with that. And I and we see it. We feel it every day. Um, just like I said, the driver that was just in and, the, and also the one we did the CERT Red recognition this morning yeah. is just someone that really cares. And uh, it's great to work with those people. One thing I'm a, a shout out to all of you drivers out there is uh, I'm kind of a high-strung, impatient person. And just uh, <laughs> hearing how all of you deal with how your world changes and your your day changes and you have a load jerked off of you or uh, you wait longer than you expect and your plans change all the time and how you handle that. Um, it's pretty impressive to somebody that has no skill there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to that point, you, you did recently just get your CDL and and spend a little bit of time driving with uh, with some of our trainers, right? Yeah, I did. And again, as I said in the, in the little <laughs> newsletter article, I still know nothing about their job. <laughs> but I did enjoy the process. Yeah. I, I think you told me a little while back, maybe you're looking forward to uh, maybe getting a week or so out at some point. Is that right? I have to do that. I need to make it, put it on my calendar and just say I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yep. I'll look forward to hearing back after you do that. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm going to be under the microscope on that week. So, yeah, it'll be fun. We'll give Bill, give Bill some tough uh, tough loads. Yeah. The- yeah, well, a few drivers, I think one or two told me a, a load that they, they're for sure I don't want. So, yeah. So, we'll see <laughs> what I get. Yeah, very good. Well, Bill, any, anything else that you'd like to share with us about things going on and uh, here, or I know there's a lot going on that we could talk about, but uh, as it pertains to ESOP or the, the sales or growth. Well, I just think the one thing in, in the world today and in, in our business that uh, another thing that should keep me up at night is just with it's changing so fast. The technology, I just can't believe how quick the technology changes. And I think I uh, feel like you're going to wake up one day and realize that you're uh, the next Eastman Kodak or you know, somebody that just missed the boat that this new technology happened and, and mm-hmm. we, uh, and we missed it. So just trying to keep an eye on that. And, uh, you can't always be the front runner. Um, we try to stay abreast of it. We just don't want to be too far behind. Yeah. So yeah. it's exciting though. It, it absolutely is. And I looking forward to seeing how these next few years go and see what these numbers look like coming back for the ESOP and, and, Next year's even more so. So yeah, me I, too. <laughs> me personally, I'm not looking to go anywhere. So I'm hoping to get several of those years in and <laughs> and build that up a bit. But yeah, and I think the excitement will build if we after we have you know get three or four statements and uh, and we show that. And again, I don't expect the value per share to go up every year. We're just going to have those years where you know where we're we're off balance a little bit because of the economy or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's the ongoing trend we got to watch. So yeah. very good. Bill, thanks so much for sitting down with me and, and having this chat. And I hope everybody else had an enjoyable time listening and maybe learned something along the way here too. Very good. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Hey there. Before you press stop, I want to invite you once again to our first annual Newsbomb Move It Family Fun Run and Walk. This year's run is in support of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. We'd love to see a huge surge in registration this week, so can I ask you to go sign up on our registration page at newsbomb.com slash St. Jude. We also have an option to participate remotely if you can't join us at the terminal, along with the ability to simply donate any amount if you aren't able to run or walk with us. 
You can do all of the above at newsbomb.com slash St. Jude. That's S-T-J-U-D-E. Register your entire family and invite your neighbors and friends to this fun and worthwhile event. Hope to see you there. You've been listening to Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Newsbomb Transportation. Newsbomb is an industry leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on Newsbomb's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, go to newsbomb.com or newsbombjobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. New episodes arrive every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. Then go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, terminalexchange.org.